Welcome everyone to Audiobooks from Hell. I am Sean DeRager, your host. Today I'm very excited to uh, to introduce Matt Godfrey to the show. Now, uh, Matt has been a... Uh, I, I started off as a Matt Godfrey fan, Matt, so it's a pleasure to have you on uh, Thanks, the podcast. <laughs> so, um, and what was great is when I joined up um, with... Uh, oh, shoot, I'm having a brain blank on the... Uh, on the uh, the association, what was that? That's what's that association? The the, the audiobook oh, the publishers, audio APA, publishers, APA. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, it was nice enough to get a phone call from you to welcome me to the APA. So that was that was great. Um, yeah. So so welcome to the podcast, man. Welcome to the super niche podcast, audiobooks from hell. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It is a podcast that feels like it is literally made for me and possibly <laughs> only me. So yeah. I'm glad to be here. Well, that's how I felt. I was like, I, there's no one talking about. I mean. And that's the whole point was, I mean, I'll touch on more things than horror, but I'll, I'll keep things kind of genre specific, kind sure. of the offbeat genres. But that was the thing for me. I love genre. I love sci-fi, horror, fantasy, but, um, yeah, but, me too. uh, just discovering kind of the horror audiobooks and, uh, the paperbacks from hell. And, um, and that was my first introduction. I think the first, I mean, I'd listened to older books brought onto, um, you know, into, into audiobook, but then Valancourt had announced their, you know, their run of their paperbacks from hell, kind of bringing these awesome books back into print. Um, and then one of my favorite kind of B movies is the nest. And then of course you narrated the nest and, and, uh, that's kind of how yeah. I, you know, jumped on the Matt Godfrey train. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. It was really fun. I'm, I'm so glad they're doing um, that Paperbacks from Hell line. They've kind of, when Grady Hendrix wrote his book, Paperbacks from Hell, which mm-hmm. um, if anybody listening has not bought that book and read it, it's incredible. It's just like a really funny and fun history of the 70s, 80s, and 90s horror paperback boom. But really, Valancourt had been doing those books mm-hmm. for a really long time. And right. it's just the popularity of the book paperbacks from hell played like right into their hand, I yeah. think. And yeah. then they were able to work with Grady and yeah. I guess, I don't really know what they did. I guess they like licensed that name paperbacks from hell, I think is what yeah. happened. And, <clears throat> uh, it worked out great, but yeah, they've been, if people out there want to listen to more paperbacks from hell, there's a whole lot more that Valancourt has done and people like crossroad press. Mm-hmm. Um, that are not specifically under that banner, but mm-hmm. I've narrated yeah. a bunch of stuff for them. That's horror from the seventies and eighties by all those same authors. And yeah, I just love them all. They're so yeah. good. And there's, there's a, I've, I've said this before and, and, uh, I guess I would, I would add in it's like apocalypse. They're a newer kind of a newer publisher kind of jumping on. They've yeah, worked with Crossroad, I've seen you talk about uh, Crossroad before. Um, you know, or me, me and, uh, me and Mark have become buddies, but, um, um, but we both kind of started around the same time with me narrating and him trying to start that up and very similar sensibilities. So, um, cool. yeah, but, I saw you were doing like, uh, or not you narrating it, but, uh, you were at least talking about the mm-hmm. Fright Night novelization <laughs> that they were doing. That's really cool. I was, uh, I tried to bribe him with a case of scotch, um, to narrate that. To, to narrate it? Yeah. It didn't work? Yeah, it, uh, it didn't work. Uh, it, it didn't work, but, um. Uh, the guy that they have narrating it um, is fantastic. I'm trying to do. Let me find uh, Peter Atkins is narrating it. Peter Atkins. I don't mm-hmm. think I know. Who he's that done is. a whole. He's done a handful of things. 
um, for them and a uh, really fun guy. And I guess funny thing about Peter Atkins is he doesn't pre-read the book. Apparently it's like, <laughs> no, well, that's not. And, uh, and I was like, Peter. what? Um, and, uh, he's, I'm trying to find, uh, trying to find his claim to fame here. And I'm, uh, and Mark would be able to would be able to tell you, but, uh, he, I mean, he's familiar with the movies. He's done a lot of these. So he kind of, he's been doing the, the novelization. So he's kind of familiar, you know, yeah, um, I guess if it's a novelization of a movie yeah. and you've seen the movie, that right. maybe that's different. Right, right, right. Um, but uh, he, I guess, goes into some crazy ad libs when they're narrating. They, he Mark produces and he'll direct, and um, I guess there's some pretty funny outtakes that I would love to. to uh, Wait, he ad libs? Not not ad libs. Uh, not ad libs. The story. Um, he he. Um, the the outtakes of him going oh, wait oh. what the hell is going on with this you know oh like, i thought you were saying that this no, guy no, doesn't pre-read no, the book and no. he just makes it up that's a major uh, you don't want to ad lib an audiobook everybody you don't do not want to do that yeah, but uh, but uh peter atkins i'm trying to find his, his what else he's done but um i'm failing on the uh, the internet search right now but that's fine um i'll talk to mark about it and we'll we'll, we'll i'll probably have peter on the show once the fright night novelization uh hits so cool. i'm sure we'll, we'll talk about his process um but yeah that there are these set rules that uh, us as narrators kind of try to follow and and prepping and pre-reading a book uh, especially something we haven't read or are not familiar or are not familiar with that is very a very very important step um so yeah we'll see i'll, I'll see people you know in certain facebook facebook groups um saying like i love the discovery of the story as i narrate and and you know, like it's kind of cringeworthy when, when when we see that. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, what I always say is that you can't, like you, you don't know how to tell the story if you don't know what the story is. Like you don't know what, yeah. you don't know what bits to, you know, emphasize or if you don't know the arc of the story, it mm-hmm. affects it affects how you read it. I mean, yeah. honestly, if it takes. If it takes you not reading it before to get a sense of discovery, then there's like some sort of acting failure happening <laughs> because you need to be able to right. have read it and understand the story and understand the characters and understand the best way to get the story to the audience and then still have it sound, you know, like you're yeah. disco- you're interested or discovering or whatever, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, what's great about you, Matt, is when I first started about, it's, it's been a little over a year now, a year and a, like a year and one month, I think. Nice. Congrats, a little longer. Um, I was just kind of feeling this thing out. And there's a handful of great narrators who kind of, you know, in a way took me under <laughs> their wing. You were one of them. Um, Joe Hempel was a huge help to me. Um, yeah, Joe's great. Early on. And he's and I can't wait to talk to him about this. I'll be talking to him, I think, next week. Um, he's not a bullshitter. And I love people no. who are not bullshitters who can just tell me straight up, hey, man, uh, kind of did that or said that or whatever. Like, don't do that. <laughs> you know, and it's yeah, fantastic, and think, you know, for me. Joe, I, I I like that. Yeah, oh, I like it too. I, <laughs> I think it's really, really helpful. And Joe would only do that if, if he <clears throat> thought you were – Exactly. Wor- worth telling that. To. Yes. Like, yeah. I, I don't, not in a mean way, like somebody's not worth it. I don't mean that. I mean, he, he obviously saw something in you to think like, okay, well, I will spend the time to say yeah. this to you and yeah, it'll, yeah. it'll be worth saying, even though it might be hard or whatever. Yeah. 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 Cause it's a, 
And that's, I, I want to talk, well, this is what's great about this podcast is we can kind of talk this inside baseball in a sec, you know, about audiobook production and things like that. But I want to know, before we kind of jump, you know, get ahead of ourselves, I want to learn a little bit about, you know, what brought you into narrating audiobooks? Because I've, you know, the few previous shows that I've had, we've talked, um, I've talked to authors and we've kind of breached the subject a little bit um, because it's such a different animal than straight voiceover. And last show I had um, Melody on and she does both. She kind of operates between both. And um, some people do both voiceover and narration. Some people kind of stick to narration. What was it that brought you into the audiobook narration as opposed um, to kind of just doing some voiceover? Yeah. I So when I went to college, I studied theater and English. Mm-hmm. And my original plan was to move to New York and do stage acting, um, which is kind of what I focused on in college. And uh, I got married right after I graduated college and my wife and I were all like gearing up and ready to go to New York. And we started watching the TV show Lost. (laughs) And uh, I mean, this is completely true. We were so enamored by this show and it still remains one of the best things I've ever watched. We were like, no, I, that is what I want to do. Like if I, it sounds stupid to say, but I had never really watched modern TV before Uh then I was a film nerd. I watched all sorts of movies, but I I just was like not into TV. Yeah. I I feel like lost kind of bridged the gap between film quality, storytelling and uh, spectacle with kind of the TV episodic aspect of, of television. Cause totally yeah. before they were very, very different and it kind of, you know, JJ Abrams was able to kind of blend these together and bring in actors from the screen and, you know, from, you know, film and TV and marry them, marry them together in this crazy, I mean, lost, you know, was a phenomenon. It was incredible. Yeah. It, it was, was going incredible. on. It was like, <laughs> everyone yeah, was talking was- about it. It was nuts. It like blew my mind. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, why haven't I been watching TV this whole time? And then I realized that this was something totally different that really <laughs> had not been done before. But anyway, we, in the middle of watching this show, uh, I mean, it was as simple as this. We just said, this is what I want to do. I don't want to do stage anymore. I want to do film or TV. I want to be involved in something like this. And I remember calling my parents and saying, like, you know what, we're going to move to L.A. instead. And they were like, really? And then we were like, I think we're just going to, like, move there, like, at the end of this year. Or just, I, I don't remember exactly what we – we moved there in the fall. But we, like, pretty shortly after that conversation just, like, picked up and moved. Wow. Um, so, <laughs> That's a ballsy move, man. <laughs> yes. And I very randomly, through a friend of mine, got to meet J.J. Abrams. I, wow. I'm sorry, uh, Damon Lindelof one okay. time, who was, the, who was the showrunner on Lost uh, after – well, he was there from the beginning, but yeah. it really was his baby. JJ yeah. kind of like brought it to TV and then Damon took it from there. But totally. anyway, I got to meet Damon and told him all this and it was a fulfilling experience <laughs> for me. But anyway, so we go to LA and I was doing film and TV. It took a long time to get any work, and but I ended up getting some work. I worked a lot in commercials and did a few independent films and some TV. I was in an episode of that Santa Clarita Diet show on Netflix and <laughs> okay. um just random things here or there. And we lived there for almost nine years. And while I was working, I was working 
just so infrequently and yeah. it was just it was so hard la was a really hard city to live in even though we liked a lot of aspects of it it was still yeah. just really hard um i tell my wife like i love visiting la i would never want to try to live and work there you know yeah it's tough <laughs> it's it's really tough um but there's a lot of good things about it so totally anyway it was it was one of those things where you would sort of like creep along and then you would get a job and it would really encourage you for a while, but then that money would run out and it, it was just really hard. Right. Um, so while I studied theater in college, I also studied English. I ended up not having a major in it. I got a minor in it, but I did all of the classes except for the thesis at the end. So I just tell people I got a major in it and it's kind <laughs> of a lie, but kind of not. Um, Close that. So Close I've up. always just been a big reader and I loved it. And have yeah. for years had thought like, I'd like to figure out how to do audiobooks, but just never put any effort into it. Mm -hmm. And finally, I don't, I have no idea what clicked, but I was just like, I'm going to just Google this. So <laughs> I, go I Googled like, how to be an audiobook narrator. And I came across this website called ACX, which you know, and mm -hmm. um, put together, it's basically if, anybody listening does not know it's like a place for independent audiobooks to be produced authors or rights holders or small mm -hmm. publishers can put their books up for audition and you can record an audition so i did that and um i i booked some work and really really liked it a lot mm -hmm. um there, there was a there was a big learning curve there in terms of technology, yeah. learning uh, learning how to self record, and also, um, and I'm still on this. I mean, I'm I'm still on this learning curve, mm -hmm. but um, even though it's acting, there still is a big difference between doing stage acting and then to film acting and then to audio. It's just different. Something that, really really long yeah. form, and the breathing's yeah. very different, and the. Yeah. Diction is very different. Self-directing, I think, is the thing for me. I'm like, that's the thing I need to get out of my own headspace is the self-directing. You know, I'm like yeah. over-direct myself. Yeah. And uh, just kind of, it, it's such a crazy learning curve. And whenever anyone asks me, hey, how'd you get in it? You know, how how do I get an audiobook narrating? And I, I always, deep breath and like, well, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Don't follow what uh, I did. There's a, there's, yeah. you know, there's some websites you can learn, get a coach, learn some things. Don't just jump in like I did. Cause you're going to open hard. yourself it, up to some more stress. Yeah. It's really hard. I mean, I was lucky in that I came from an acting background. Uh, yeah. So that kind of like all of the acting school stuff I had already done, thankfully. Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. it wasn't that hurdle I had to go over. It was like how to translate that into being you know, eight inches away from a microphone and like, it's just a different style of acting or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, I did a couple of those, decided that I really liked it. It was kind of a perfect transition point for my wife and I, because we were, uh, trying to remember where we were in the process of adopting our daughter. We adopted, um, we were foster parents and we ended up adopting a little girl mm -hmm. while we lived in LA and we were kind of like near the tail end of that process. Maybe like, actually now that I'm thinking of it, we might not have been near the tail end. <laughs> it it might've been like a year out, but anyway, right. we, we basically said, okay, we think that we're going to adopt this little girl. Um, 
if you're not familiar with foster care, by the way, I don't mean we think we're going to adopt her like we think we want her. Mm-hmm. We were always in for adopting her, but you'd never know if that's the way the case is going to go. Right, right. We said, okay, it seems like this is the way the case is going to go. We would love to move out of L.A. Um, I'm going to focus all of my efforts on trying to become full-time at audiobook narrating, and then mm-hmm. we can move to wherever we want to move to, someplace mm-hmm. that's cheaper that we like better. Um, so... I was working a job that started at 4 a.m. I, I drove a uh, I drove a delivery truck for I, I was a Pepperidge Farm distributor to grocery stores. So really early in the morning, I would get done at like noon. My wife would start working when I got back, and I I would keep my daughter until she went to bed at eight, and then I would record until like 11 at night. Uh-huh. And then I would start at four again the next morning. <laughs> you sound like me right now, man. <laughs> it's really, really much. hard. Yeah. It's brutal. <laughs> brutal, brutal. But we, I really, really wanted it. I, uh-huh. really loved, I really loved the work and really wanted the career and really wanted a way to move. And for whatever reason, this bizarre thing was what we thought would do it. <laughs> so I did that for like a year. And at about a year, I felt like we were, it maybe not, it maybe wasn't quite full-time work, but it was like, pretty close. And we were like, we had, we had adopted Irene and we were like, let's just do it. So we moved. Mm-hmm. And once we were like really without a safety net, no, nobody had any jobs except me narrating. Um, we moved to Birmingham, Alabama, which is where we're both from. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, really fell into place once we moved. And I don't know how that works exactly, but when you're like flying without a safety net and you have to make it work, I feel like that somehow lends itself to it working. Maybe I'm saying that because it so far has worked and somebody else, (laughs) somebody else who it didn't work out for is going, that's so stupid. But (laughs) there's a, I think there's a truth to that. I think that a lot of us get in our comfort zones and I've noticed it in my own journey with with my wife. She was in in real estate, working for new homes, and and you know there was layoffs there, and all of a sudden we found both of us with one income. So it's like you have to you have to figure it out. Yeah, you, ha- you know, and and you know I I don't know. I, to me, there's always been a sense of truth truth to that. Like if I'm forced yeah. to pursue something, if it's the only option, I'm gonna m- make a way to pay my you know to pay the mortgage, to pay my bills. I'll I'll work wherever but you just have to make it work yeah yeah totally and i skipped over i mean i realized that story was painfully long anyway but (laughs) i skipped over i skipped over the details about how i ended up getting certain jobs but oh we can we can skip around with some of that i can bring up certain things yeah for whatever reason it has worked and i i mean truly i'm and i'm not just saying this i could not be more (laughs) thankful for it it is just like it's just the best thing I can imagine. It fits me so well, and I like the industry so much, and all the yeah. people that I've met so much, and I, it's just really, really good. Well, that's what you know. The industry itself has, you know, I'm I'm just getting a glimpse here and there. I'll be going to my first APAC this year, so I think I'll I'll get a really good glimpse of everyone. But just just even the online community of narrators, mm-hmm. you know, um, everyone is so willing to help. Um, to, to listen. I think as long as you reciprocate, I think if you're willing to listen, take notes, show that you're, that you're willing to take direction, willing to take, you know, um, you know, you're willing to kind of just learn 
And uh, if you're open to that, people are very generous. And I've seen the other end where people are come in thinking that they know it all. And, you know, that, <laughs> that kind of gets flipped out of his head really yeah. fast. It kind of shut down. But, you know, the yeah. industry itself, the, like the people, there's this camaraderie because like the difference between just like a voiceover actor and the narration, it's such a different thing, a different animal. It's uh, it's harder in a sense, in a way, like you're make you're in the booth longer for less pay, you know, uh, I guess mm-hmm. you could say that it's just more work, I guess, but we all love it. Like I, I love reading. I've always loved reading and to make some money by reading someone's book aloud. Um, that's, you know, I love it. You know, it's so incredible. If I didn't love it's it. I wouldn't thing. do it. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I don't really know that much about other forms of voiceover. I don't yeah. do, I don't do any other kinds. I, randomly i'll do like a gig here or there for like a voiceover for some sort of commercial or Mm -hmm. explainer video or something Mm -hmm. but not i don't really when i was in la i did a couple of random things at disney which was a really big um they were kind of like high watermarks for me um when i was working there because i really like um i really like Disney movies and Disneyland and Disney World. I'm just like one of those people. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, everybody. Um, but uh, so getting to work like in Disney animation was really, really fun. And I didn't do anything major. I did scratch vocals on um, mm-hmm. a, a couple of movies. But just being in those buildings was huge. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know anything else about well, other I, yeah. forms of voiceover, honestly. I looked into it because I was, we had a rough year with the real estate. So I was like, let me try to find a way to make extra cash, you know? And that was how I jumped into the narration that, of course, I've said this before. I didn't realize the uphill battle that I was signing myself up for. Uh, and it's the really hard. And yeah. uh, trying to get set up to do it. And it, it I, I spent more money than made any money that first, you know, when I was first trying to figure all this out. But then my yeah. wife had a good year and we were fine. But um but I was like, I love doing this so much. I was like, I need to keep this up. But I did study and look into kind of the voice over the actor um, side of things. And it, it's a grind. You know, 90% is the audition. 90% of your job is auditioning, 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 mm-hmm. get a gig, yeah. get a gig. Um, and it's just for me trying to do it part time with the day job. It was just too much because I would get a gig and I would have to have it turned in by five o'clock that day. You know, the day that they give me the job and I'm working eight hours, yeah. I run home, lunch, try to quickly do it. It was just for what I was doing, it didn't work out, which is why the long form narration kind of, kind of, uh, yeah. hit. Yeah. So. You can do it on your own schedule and yeah. I don't, I'm not against doing yeah. other forms of VO, but I really am. I, I'm just not that interested in them. I don't, right. I mean, you I got really something like that's working for you. I have something that's working and I'm really committed to, I'm committed to the work and the job, but I'm committed to the career too. Mm-hmm. And like um, the APA, the Audio Publishers Association, I like being on the welcome committee and I helped this year doing um, planning for APAC, which is the conference. And I just, it, people in the industry really invested a lot in me, a, right. a lot of time. And it was very bizarre because I experienced very little like that doing film and um, yeah. I want to be conscious of I'm just an audiobook person. I'm here <laughs> I'm here for the I'm here for the audiobooks. Yeah. Well let's talk some about some of these audiobooks. Um I mean, you know, 
what's funny is, and I kind of posted something about this on, on Facebook the other day. Um, when I first hear a narrator, you know, it kind of takes me some time to really kind of get that narrator um, yeah, totally. and get their flow and their cadence and kind of have it sink in. Because when I popped in The Nest, which was, I think, the first thing I'd heard you narrate, I'm like, this guy sounds way too nice for a horror horror story about, you know, man-eating cockroaches. Yeah, um, I hear that a lot. Yeah. But, but, uh, I think it works, man. Like, I think it, it, it worked, especially kind of to draw me in because it starts in a small kind of, is it like a main, some main town or somewhere on the East coast up there? Somewhere, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you're brought into this town and, and you're, you, the way you bring everyone into the narration. And then when it gets to the good stuff, it's like, it's unexpected, but then it's, um. I don't know. It works. So, well, thanks. I appreciate it. I try to, I don't narrate horror like for the, in the lives of the characters, like until something really bad yeah. is happening, it's just like another day. So I yeah. try not to narrate it with any, I try to narrate it as, as normally, that's not really the right word. <laughs> I just try to, I just try to make it like a day in the life of these people before mm -hmm. something, you know, earth shattering and terrible happens to them like their town is invaded by mutant cockroaches from the dump and uh i feel like it works i get i get why some people don't like it my voice is kind of weird um well my uh, wife people first are weird me. with people, people are, are weird, weird with their criticisms of a narrator oh boggles Lord. my mind <laughs> i have i have heard it all people yes my the first thing my wife said about me not to my face but to her friend when she first met me was he has a really weird voice <laughs> so uh there here i am oh wow that's funny um one of my favorite one of my favorite reviews of one of your books it was a book by um oh gosh it was that werewolf book um mm -hmm. feral I know which review you're talking about because it's Feral. one of my it's one of my favorite reviews. Too. By Matt the Serafini. Woman, it was the 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 lady was like, she's like, I woke up and she fell all asleep of a sudden. in it. <laughs> she fell asleep in it first of all, and then she woke up and she woke up in a scene when, uh, I'm about to say something really gross. It's like, it, it, been, <laughs> this is audiobooks from hell. But it is expected. <laughs> she woke up in a scene where a severed head is performing oral sex on a man <laughs> and, and i think it shocked her pretty good yeah it was a dream and, sequence though to be fair it's a dream in the book it's it's a dream it's sequence. a dream sequence and it's a dream sequence into like the depths of hell it's like <laughs> the worst dream you could ever have yeah and uh yeah this this person was not a fan of the book after that oh my god i just i just did a book for a valancourt called let's go play at the Adams," and oh. it it is also receiving similar reviews <laughs> Of like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard, and I hate the fact that I listened to it. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think that that's a ringing endorsement. Oh, no, I do, book, and I I ran into some of those with uh, "Gods of the Dark Web," a little novella that I did for uh, for Lucas Mangum. We spoke about on the last episode, and uh, yeah, we're getting some of those, and those are the the best reviews ever because oh, they're so funny. It's, it's just like it's what horror, people. It's, it's horror. So I mean, so that's what I want to ask you. Like, you sound like just just you sound just like a nice, just a nice young man. You I know? think I'm nice. I, I don't I don't think so I'm mean. Nice young man, a nice young church going man. You know. I uh, got the, you got the, you know, you, you did foster care, you adopted your daughter, you're living in Alabama. Wow, yeah, man. What, what has drawn you into horror? 
I always wonder what draws people into horror. Because all of the, my horror friends, like, we're all like, I think mm -hmm. we're all like just the nicest guys, you know? Yeah. So oh, oh, the <laughs> horror community is so good. And through mm -hmm. Valancourt, I really met a lot of the, of the online horror community. And they're mm -hmm. all, they're all just so good. They're just great people. Um, let's see. Well, I have watched horror movies since I was a little kid. It was mm -hmm. what my parents, I guess they were into it. It's what they showed me. That makes me think they were into it. <laughs> Every Friday night, we would always watch a movie when I was a kid. And uh, I mean, like, you know, I don't know, I don't know how, I, how old I was when we started, but probably younger than 10. And um, every Friday night, we would pick a different scary movie and we would watch it. And it was just like the best thing to me. I loved them. I love being scared. I love, and I'm doing this with my daughter now, and I think she likes it too. <clears throat> All of her <laughs> favorite parts of the Disney movies are uh, the villains. Like, right. I don't know if you're familiar with the princess and the frog, but yeah. the villain, the villain in it is like, like this voodoo guy named Dr. Facilier. And he's like, he's scary. Oh, yeah. and his death in the movie is scary. He gets like sucked down into hell through this giant, <laughs> like totem's mouth. It's really scary. And she's just like, she loves his song. She loves it. Um, I just posted a video of her to Twitter today. She was, she's not even looking at me in the camera. She just says, it's going to rain blood. And I went, and I went, what? She goes, it's going to rain blood. And I said, who's blood? What are you talking about? It was out of, it was, there was no context. And she went, the sun's blood. And I was like, amazing. Wow. Okay. Uh, anyway, so I, we always watch horror movies in my house. We went through like all of the classics. It was mm -hmm. like, it was like, um, the omen and, the Exorcist and um, uh, Arachnophobia was one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Tremors was one of my favorite movies. Still is one of my favorite mm -hmm. movies. Um, <clears throat> anyway, it was just like what we did. It was really fun. I remember my parents had an old paperback copy of the Amityville Horror on their bookshelves. And they would always talk about when they read it in college, they were so scared reading it. And <laughs> it was just like... I don't know. Like we just liked being scared. Yeah. We would tell, we would tell ghost stories all the time. My dad would like, <clears throat> we lived on a lake and he would take me out on this boat that we had to go fishing. And we would go out at like midnight to catch catfish. And he would tell me all these spooky stories. And I have this one really vivid memory of like a bait. I, I, don't, I was probably 12 or something. I wasn't like a tiny kid, but I was still young. And mm -hmm. there was just like baseball floating in the water. And I remember him going, look, it's a dead baby's head. <laughs> And I, I, and looking at the time, I was like, <laughs> you know, like screaming and happy yeah, yeah, and funny. Yeah. And looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, a dead baby's head. Wow, that's dark. Your dad got that dark. Is, that is terrible. <laughs> but now my four-year-old daughter is going, it's going to rain blood. Oh, so perfect. I don't know. It's just been like, well, it was what I was raised with and it's really fun. And yeah. I just love it. Yeah. And that's not all you do. And that's what I wanted to transition no, to as I, yeah. well i mean you have uh, a lot of very charming books that you do as well you know but uh um and i think now here's what i want to ask you because I, I see these pop up every now and then is are these like whatever whatever for dummies are these like initiation books for uh for that that particular publisher Cause see everyone you know be like no. i got a for dummies book or you know or they're no not, they're, they just they're not initiation books although that particular publisher which is um is it uh, tantor it's tantor, tantor that does yeah. the dummies books they <laughs> they they generally do give you kind of like 
an initiation book. They don't call it that, but I'm pretty yeah. sure that's what it is. Like r- right after you join their roster, I think most people, gen- I did, I've, I've heard it from other people, generally will get a book pretty quickly, and I think it will kind of be the, the we're going to test you out and make sure that like you're not a dummy and that you like <laughs> name your files like we told you to name the files and right. that you upload them the right way and that, you know, you're not, it sounds, you know, but the dummies are not initiation books. I okay. think that they are, I think that they are fairly highly thought of. I mean, they're like right. a, they're like a known property. Mm-hmm. Um, they're weird to listen to. I did, I did um, flipping houses for dummies <laughs> and I, it, I learned a lot of stuff, actually. I was kind of yeah. like, man, I might go flip a house. But it they're weird to listen to. Like, they're not made to be read linearly. Like, you're uh-huh. supposed to flip, like, you know, this chapter is more relevant to you, so you're flipping to this one. And then you can flip back. And the audiobook isn't structured like that. So it's, I think they're an odd listen, but hmm. they're fun to do. I mean, it was... That's I, funny. I can, I mean, I, who knows what other people think. My own personal thought is I'm quite proud of it that I've done a Fur Dummies book. I, nice. I kind of like nice. it. Well, because I, I, I mean, no one's ever like complaining about doing it. It's just I, I'll see, you know, certain narrators pop up. I got a for dummies book, you know, and I think a few of them I saw it was their first for for Tantor. So I was curious. I was like, is that like, oh, is interesting? This like an, is it an, Maybe an initiation? It, it was know. not my. I had probably been working for Tantor for a year before I yeah. got one. I think. Oh, okay. All right. So what other than horror? Like, what are some of the favorite? Some of your favorite genres you've you've uh, you've covered? Because your voice, like when I hear your voice, immediately I think Southern Gothic. Yeah, that's the main thing that I do. I, you know. And that's kind of how I've marketed myself. So I did a book for, the first book that I did for Penguin Random House was called Up From Freedom. And it was not really a Southern Gothic, but it was mm-hmm. definitely a Southern literary fiction novel. And mm-hmm. it was really, really great. It's still one of the best books I've ever done. It was really, really good. And I worked with this director on it because uh, Penguin Random House always has directors. And um, it's always been a really good experience for me mm-hmm. to work working with a director, but he was telling me, um, I really think that you should just market yourself as the Southern Gothic guy. Like you like darker stuff and you do, um, I don't like consider myself someone who can do just every accent under the sun. I can do a few, but, um, I can do a lot of Southern accents and just because I was born here and grew up here and live here again, I'm just, I'm just around it all the time. I'm so, I felt pretty comfortable going out on a limb and just saying like, I'm the person who can do this type of thing for you. And I wasn't sure, honestly, how much to listen to that advice, but because I was, (laughs) because there was a part of me that was like, no, I want to do like, you know, like I want to do a book in New York or I don't know. I just wanted to keep options open. And then for whatever reason, something in my head clicked and I was like, I really care about Southern stories and I really feel comfortable telling them and I enjoy them mm-hmm. the most. So the next year's APAC, which is the conference that uh, the industry has in New York, um, I went and I had this Harper Lee quote on my business card and I got into speed dating, which is this thing where you get like a couple of minutes with all of the publishers and you go around and introduce yourself, whatever. Oh, sounds terrifying. Uh, it was, it was, it was really, <laughs> it was very, very stressful. Um, but everybody was really nice. And so yeah. I was like, whatever, I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to be the Southern Gothic person. Um, and so I did. And uh, I kid you not. <sighs> recorded books, Blackstone, like 
very recently after that conference, mm-hmm. people were sending me Southern Gothic novels. Wow. Um, and I was like, well, this is what we're doing. Gordon, <laughs> Gordon, Gordon Rothman is the director's name who gave me that advice, and he was so smart. So, uh, again, it's not the only thing I do. I yeah. do a lot of other books, but it's what I specialize in. And, and um, at the end of last year, I did a long, a long slate of Southern books that mm-hmm. – they have not come out yet. I'm not. I'm not sure what's going on there. Yeah. But I got to do uh, Gibby Haynes, the frontman for Butthole Surfers. Um, okay. He wrote his first novel, and it was incredible. It is oh, so man. weird. It is so weird. <clears throat> it was really messed up. Uh, and it's a it's a YA book too. It's a, the most vulgar YA book I've ever seen. Some of the YA books are kind of pushing some limits there, which is this. Which is fine, this huh? one. This one pushes. Yeah. It's by far the most the most adult YA book I've ever read, but it was so funny and so weird, and it, it was all very southern. And I got to do it, and it was really fun. And uh, I did one called "The Art of Dumpster Diving," which is a southern gothic story set in Louisiana, where this um, uh, two little brothers, their entire family dies, and they don't want to get sent to foster care. So they come up with this sort of lie to where they can hopefully fool everyone into thinking that their mom is still alive. Um, and it was a really sad, uh, just sort of touching story. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I've, I, I just, I don't, I feel like I like get the South or something. There's like a, you know, plenty of awful things that, that, right have happened and still go on here and but i in a progressive city like birmingham there's a lot of hope for a new south and i really like telling those types of stories and uh anyway it's somehow anyway so yeah Uh, southern gothic big big genre for me literary fiction i i just love yeah you know haruki murakami and that that vein of of literary fiction is is kind of my jam. Yeah. Um, well, and that's and that's what I appreciate. I think you bring that into even the horror novels. Like I said, you you're treat. It's just it's a novel. It's a story. We're telling a story, and that was I think yeah. one of the one of the biggest things I learned just by kind of listening to what you did, um, what Joe Hempel did because he's he he approaches it differently, but it, but it's kind of the same vein as well. Is we're just telling a story. These are real characters. This is a real world. We're we're, we're telling a story, because when I was first trying to like you know, uh, narrate a horror novel in my head. I'm like thinking I have to narrate it all dark, you know? And, um, right. And yeah. I've heard some like that, but as soon as I think as, as soon as I heard what you were doing, I was like, huh. And that's when I, when I got the Gordon place, which is a, a Southern kind of a Southern horror story. Um, I listened to it now and I'm like, well, I, I would do a few things differently, but I was like, I'm going to approach this like, like Matt Godfrey would <laughs> like, I was, I was, have a bracelet. What <laughs> oh, would Matt damn. Godfrey do here? But it was well, a, a lot of it was just step back, step back, let the story be itself. And, and you don't, and don't force anything. And that was kind of the, one of the biggest things that I learned. Yeah, that's huge. And it's many, many, many horror novels, especially from the seventies and eighties are, Truly, they are great works of literature. Mm-hmm. Not all of them. There's plenty of schlock and crap yeah. out there. But there are some beautifully written books. And just because they involve scary things or supernatural things, it doesn't 
I think in a lot of people's minds, it like takes them down a notch in terms of quality for some reason. Mm -hmm. And they really aren't. So I try to read them the, you know, I approach them the same way I would some sort of acclaimed piece of, you know, whatever fiction. Um, like let's go play at the Adams, which is this torture story. It kind of like kicked off this torture boom, um, that, culminated in the girl next door and mm -hmm. um the last house on the left and all that sort of thing um and this is involving children like torturing their babysitter right that's the yes it's a group <laughs> of kids the youngest being like 10 um who for a game capture their babysitter and tie her up mm -hmm. and um it very it, it's not a fast moving book it, it very slowly escalates into some of the most horrific stuff I've ever heard, wow. but it is very beautifully written. He's a very good writer and, you know, just because the content is one thing doesn't mean that the art with which it's right. um, presented is any less. So they're just fi fiction, you know, I, it's all kind of the same to me. Yeah. Do you ever, like, I know this one you said was your kind of the, 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 the hardest thing you've narrated as far as subject matter goes. Was there yeah, a it point, was really rough. Was there a point where you were like, why am I doing this? Like, did you ever have that moment or did you just kind of just trust the art and just, uh, you know, just kind of get through it? Like, I mean, uh, at the end um, of the day, a job's a job. Book. At the end of the day, it's just a job. And not mm -hmm. with this book. I never questioned why I was doing okay. it with this one. I had kind of been pre mentally preparing for it for a uh -huh. while, I think, because Valancourt had talked to me about it. I don't remember exactly when, but I think it was before paperbacks from hell even got announced okay. um they had been working on they'd been working for a really long time to get the rights to the book um and they had talked to me about it and said like yeah it's really really rough make sure that you are really interested and then after reading a little bit of it i could tell that it wasn't also i didn't read it before i accepted the contract because uh -huh. just you never have time to do that but i really the two guys that run valancourt jay and ryan I really trust them. I've worked yeah. with them a lot now and really like them on a personal level. Mm -hmm. And I just said, tell me honestly, do you think this is a worthwhile piece of literature to, for people to read? Or is it, you know, just something sensational, which is fine. I mean, I'm not mm -hmm. passing judgment on that. Like that could, but I, <laughs> it would affect whether or not I want to spend a week of my life with kids right. torturing a girl it would help me if it was good and he just said yes i think it's really good and so yeah. i said okay i'll do it and it, he was totally right i was right to trust him it's yeah. it's really good yeah awesome and that's that's your latest i think valancourt release um so i can't yeah sadly i don't do as much with valancourt anymore just it's... because my schedule has gotten so yeah. busy i just don't have time but their books are so good i i i love them and highly recommend yeah. anything they they publish. Yeah. And it's not it's, just horror. They do all sorts oh, of Oh, they're, they're fantastic. Like I just, uh, I'll self-promote here myself, <laughs> but, uh, I did, uh, um, John Peyton Cook's Out for Blood, which isn't technically part of the Paperbacks from Hell line, but it's like, you know, it's it 1990. Is. It totally is. It's like that. Yeah. Um, fantastic take on vampires. And that's the thing I like about them is I feel like, um, cause I, I kind of, you know, I'm a movie collector. I collect a lot of Blu-rays, a lot of kind of crazy, you know, uh, movies and from the 80s and 70s and early 90s 
and there's certain specific labels that I trust, certain distributors that I totally trust. Um, Vinegar Syndrome is one of them, Severin, um, that I know that I can take a chance on pretty much any of their releases and have a fun time just discovering this story. Um, I feel that way about Valancourt in particular, um, especially. I feel like that their stuff is more curated, um, that that if they're releasing it, it's worth paying attention to. Is kind of how I hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, it, they they released still to this day my favorite book I've ever done, which is Blackwater, mm-hmm. and I mean it's like sort of horror, not really. There's su- some supernatural stuff, but it's mainly just a Southern Gothic family saga with like some swamp monster thrown in, <laughs> and it's just a beautiful book. And they, they also worked really hard to get the rights to that. If I'm remembering my story correctly, they're just really smart. They just like, no, they know what to do. Yeah. And trying to figure out the rights for the stuff is ridiculously crazy. Um, I got involved. I dipped my toe in that side of things a little bit for a, for a, uh, female lead or a female driven barbarian story called silver glass. It was like four novels. And I was like, I wonder if those are on audiobook. And I it was under a pseudonym, and it was ridiculous trying to track that down. And we eventually did. It was for Encyclopocalypse. Um, uh, but just finding the rights to this stuff. Same thing with film. It's the same kind of thing. There's you don't know who owns the rights to these, you know, these older properties. And it's it's a shame because so much art, so many, you know, so much fiction literature. Um, can just get lost if there's no one kind of curating this stuff. And uh, I feel like, you know, distributors like Valancourt and stuff, like they're doing more than just releasing something for, for profit. It's kind of preserving this time when, you know, this time in history where the, you know, every, you know, decade has a writing style, literature style. There's, especially in horror, you can kind of almost tell when certain things were written. Um, so I think, I feel yeah. like that's an important work in itself. So, um, yeah, yeah, well, they're, they're, they're really, really good at what they do. I, uh, and Ryan has family semi close to where I live and I've yet to been able to meet them in person, but we've tried to make it happen. <laughs> one, one day I'm going to have them over to my house. Well, I'm hoping to have uh, James and, and Ryan on the show. I know I have Grady Hendricks scheduled to come on and talk about the whole paperbacks from hell thing. That the, nice. That I'm blaming on him. Uh, he, you know, he he kind of his fault. He started this thing up again, um, which is great. Um, he's so good, man. I emailed him and oh, said, great, "I really, I really want to do your, I really want to do your books." And then uh, you know, I don't know, that has never happened. <laughs> I still, I still really want to. Oh, that's great. There's so many great authors out there too. And that's the thing, like, you know, um, there's this new kind of generation of horror authors like Matt Sarfini, um, Adam Caesar. You did one of Adam Caesar's books, or have you done one or two of them? I've done um, a couple did of a video books, yeah. video night, right? Is the one that I, I did listened to. Video and night and exponential. Yeah. yeah. And they're both they're both really good. He's a Fantastic. really good writer and a really good guy. And he's yeah. a drive by truckers fan. And me too. So there, there you go. There you go. Now there's a lot of just good uh, horror coming out that in the vein of the, these paperbacks from hell, but it's also, it's a new twist and it's a, you know, it's the people who, all of us who grew up with these movies and books, um, writing and actually creating the art now. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's such a horror resurgence going on in film too, and it's actually Mm -hmm. getting respect, which is so encouraging 
I think for horror, not just in film, but a, sort of a, in all different media forms, I hope at least, because yeah. that's what I want to see. Jordan Peele is like oh, saving us right now. He's killing it. Um, that, yeah, he's using his platform to kind of, and he, you know what Elijah Wood is too, weirdly enough. Um, yes. Elijah Wood, it's crazy, these guys. Um, have you done anything, uh, is there a genre that you haven't touched yet that you'd be you know, dying to try. Have you done sci-fi or, or anything like that yet? Is there, is that? Um, yeah, I've done a lot of sci-fi from Tantor. I'd say okay. probably, I don't know, probably 85 or 90% of the work that I get from them is sci-fi or fantasy. I, I do a bit of fantasy, but I have like a sci-fi series, that an ongoing series that I do with them called the Paragon Society series. And it's really, really good. Um, I am not, my own personal interests don't really veer into sci-fi mm-hmm. that much. Um, more so into like herb, like urban fantasy. I get into a lot, and I, I have done a few urban fantasy ones with them as well. Um, but yeah, I've done a lot of sci-fi, and I enjoy it. I mean, I, I have, I have rarely not enjoyed work and that is the honest truth there have been a few books in there that have been a little painful but for the for the most part i really enjoyed everything is um is there any genre you feel like you're missing out on at this point or have you feel like you've kind of uh touched the gambit of of things you'd you know of your interests well i gotta say i've been really really lucky in i've kind of gotten this nice smattering across Mm -hmm. a bunch of different things i've done um kind of um political and environmental nonfiction um a couple of different times both of those were with mcmillan which is a publisher i really 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 love i did a book called losing earth um by nathaniel rich which was about um it was a really interesting take on climate change because it like it it analyze this 10-year period where the United States was really close to leading a charge on getting this global sort of deal signed that would have limited carbon emissions and essentially um, changed the entire story of climate mm-hmm. change. Mm-hmm. And then it and then it fell apart at the last minute. It's a really interesting history. Um, then I did another one about uh, the geography of like America's coastlines and why people keep building there and what disasters that happen and anyway so i've done a couple of those things which i'm fairly interested in i political nonfiction, i can really get behind mm-hmm. um i've done a fair amount of sci-fi and fantasy a lot of horror I, the only thing i really have not done a lot of is romance i did one um <laughs> i did one series with uh, co-narrated with andy art who is yeah. who is one of the greatest narrators that we have she's incredible um that that process was worth it just to get to work on her and 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 the material was good too but i'm not wildly interested in romance (laughs) as a genre i mean i'm not it's it's fine i just it's not really my thing as i'm the same way i've been asked to pursue maybe some and i'm like i don't know i don't know i don't know if i can take myself seriously i don't uh I don't know. One of these days, well, I maybe I'll give it a shot. But I think you should give it a shot just to see, see if I like it or not. Just to see what you think about it, because the, the some of the writing can still be really, really good. Uh-huh. It's not. It's not inferior. It just is. You got to make a decision on 
if you'll enjoy yourself enough to spend the time on it. Right. And I think it's just like, it doesn't engage me the same way that, you know, a Southern Gothic story does or something. But that being said, the listenership for romance is like one bazillion times that of a Southern Gothic (laughs) novel. So I clearly am making the wrong decision, but it's just what I enjoy more. Yeah. 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 I know. I know. It's uh, the listenership is crazy. Uh, I, I will say I auditioned the other day for a Daniel Steele novel. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And that was like really, really cool. Okay. I have not heard back and I'm assuming I didn't get it because it's been <laughs> several weeks. Um, and I'm now that I'm thinking about it, I'd forgotten about it. Now I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> in that. But I would have been extremely happy to record that. See that, you know, Daniel Steele. I mean, that's, you know, there, there you go with the kind of classic you know, it's that's like and a it was a story. Romance. Yeah, it seemed to be from the from the audition piece. You know what? I might not be supposed to talk about it. I'm <laughs> gonna right, announce right. anything okay. just in case. Right. It, right. it was a kind of like a sweet father daughter <laughs> story. It seemed, and I'm like, I could really get into that. Okay, okay, awesome. Well, Matt, uh, I'm looking at the time, going like, darn it, you know, out of time, running out of time here. And you and I could probably uh, chat more. We'll 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 sit down and. He'll have a, have a, you know, love a scotch or something or whatever. You drink a preference at, at APAC in New York. We'll we'll chat some more for sure. Unrecorded, well, off the record. I'll but, see you um, I really appreciate that you taking the time to, to talk with to me and the listeners who, you know, the, the five people who are in, interested in uh, audiobooks. <laughs> I, I will I learn all of their names. And <clears throat> um, next time, I will speak no, to uh, them personally. The feedback's been fantastic. So I think niche is the way to go i'm thinking uh i'm thinking i made the right choice here because you know everyone oh, asks i agree like, strongly. E- like i have no idea how audiobooks were made you know so people can learn a little bit about audiobooks i mean i know there's a there's the audio this is the audiobook speakeasy right um yeah rich is uh, rich, rich, yeah. rich miller correct mm-hmm. yeah uh, he's a really good guy like fantastic podcast so if you like this and you want to get like talking like real like i'm not I'm, I still don't feel my, I'm, I have that imposter syndrome still. I'm in, I'm talking to people like Matt Godfrey, who I'm like, well, this guy, you know, Matt's, Matt's the man. Oh, me too. You yeah, know, no, uh, me too. I, Rich Miller's, the audiobook speakeasy is, is fantastic. You'll, you'll learn a ton. I've learned a ton from that. Um, but I wrote a pretty lengthy <laughs> blog post about my entire process. If anybody is, oh, would great. care, would care to read that. It is long and it will take you a while to read it and you probably should not, but it is <laughs> up on my website if you want to read it and it takes you from, when I get cast all the way to when I record how I it's, prep and everything. It's a fantastic read. If you are at all interested in the process and, and seeing if this is something you would like to do, that's a fantastic blog post. I, uh, I sat down, put my glasses on and, and, and read that thing and it's saved in my bookmarks. Um, I think the exact there. address, <clears throat> if anybody does want to read it, I think it's mattgodfrey.net slash process. Okay. I probably should double check this before I just put it out there, but I'm like uh, 99% sure that's right. I'll find it. I'll put it in the show notes beneath uh, here so people can just click on it and, and read it. So, but Matt, right. thanks thanks again for spending time with me and, and chatting. And uh, I wish you all the best. And I'll, I'll, be, I'll be seeing you soon, good sir. And everyone thanks, else. Man, I appreciate it. Everyone else, I'll be talking to you very soon. I think Joe Heppel's next on the list. So uh, we'll be talking to him next time. So thanks for listening. <laughs>